Triple Zeros. I am Josh Buck. Also, follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page at Clocker Sports, the website ClockerSports.com, and the email address is ClockerSports at gmail.com. Got a lot to talk about, man. Not a lot of time to do it in, but that's usually the case. Um, we got to talk about a uh, prominent football player could be on the move after doing a lot of, uh, well, towing the line this past season. And then the NFL might not be going abroad. We also got to talk about an NBA player hoping to make his return and a coach who could be resurfacing in a new city. But we got to start off this episode talking about The Last Dance, the Bulls documentary, documentary documenting their final championship run. Really, it's been about uh, the entire run. I know they call it The Last Dance, but there's been a lot of bouncing around. And I, I'm not that's not a complaint. That's just an observation that. Uh, Maybe maybe the last dance wasn't the best title because they've been covering a lot of ground from uh, going back into their childhood, but they've really been covering the first championships championship run as well, three peak. Um, so that's been fun to watch. But this past week, we got to see uh, some more of the I think I call it the more fallible side of MJ in that the the gambling in in episode six, but before that episode five, you also got to see the the pettiness, right? The uh, <laughs> you saw. The dream team coming together and him denying the questions about Isaiah and the freeze out and all those kind of things. And I think really, it, it I said it when it first started, there wasn't going to be much that surprised me coming out about any of this. Um, it is interesting to see it documented like in real time and, and, and what the emotions were then. You could tell that there was definitely a beef there, but you could also see that... Uh, I don't think it was a bad thing necessarily. See a lot of people complaining right now on social media, especially about how one side or the other, no matter who it is really, oh, they're they're super petty for not letting this go or they can't own up to doing this and or, or they should have done that and in in the handshake situation at least. Um, who cares? Honestly. I think it's really great that there's still this animosity between these two players and it, it take it's taken such a, a uh a dramatic turn into this situation or into, into uh, not a dramatic turn. I'm sorry, but it, it's taken, it's gone on so long rather, right? A lot of people would say, how can, how can two grown men really hold on a, a grudge for this long? I, I said it last time. You don't really know grown men that well. So that was one thing that I, I think um, coming along this way, is not really surprising to me seeing a lot of the pettiness, but seeing that pettiness be extended to an on an incoming teammate, was interesting. Now, again, this is another one of those things that wasn't surprising because I I knew about it already. But seeing it and then watching them uh, put their words and their feelings about it, uh, set set that to video, to game film. That's what was interesting to me. Um, Tony Kukoc playing for was it Yugoslavia at the time? Croatia, the Croatian coming out from uh, Europe, a major acquisition from the Bulls. Jerry Krause had likened him as the future of the of the franchise. Um, he's a very accomplished player, very good player. But during that dream team run, they had to make him, you know, make make him aware that he was coming to a whole different animal. And that was what Scotty and Mike set out to do. And you heard from the horse's mouth that, you know, you leave him to me, 
leave him to me and Scotty because uh, they were trying to send a message to Jerry Krause that, you know, he, he wasn't the next anything. He was going, if anything, he was going to come over there and, and help them out. And that's another thing. The mentions of Krause or really things that motivated Mike and how those things were connected to Krause is, is kind of fascinating to me. Uh, he, he talked about if he heard the guy that uh, Jerry liked, he would make it a point to go and, and bust a tail. Dad Marley talked about it in the finals against Phoenix, how Marley was on him and he just, you know, he made it his mission to go out there and put on a show against him because he knew that Jerry liked him. Those type of things um, are, are wonderful to see put in real time context. Because again, during that first run, I was especially I was a child, so I didn't really get to understand any of the nuance of, of any of it, or really the ins and outs, and and see or have any type of understanding of what that could possibly be about. But now getting to see it, and I had a Charles Barkley T-shirt, Sir Charles coming through uh, a frame, so seeing a round mound of rebound, Svelte's round mound of rebound, which is funny because he was a round mound before he was even round at that point, but uh, seeing him going off. You know, and, and forcing the Bulls to force Mike really to go out there and, and dog him. He said to himself, he's like, I I made certain that we weren't going to lose. I did my very best to make sure that we didn't lose. And Mike outplayed him. And he said that's when he said that was the only time, the first time rather, he felt like legitimately like there was somebody who was better at basketball than he was. And that was, again, that I think I was in about third grade at that point in time. And I just remember... From that run, I remember hating Kevin Johnson, um, but I like Charles because he was just everywhere. It did a little bit of everything, and it just didn't look right because he was, you know, short, stocky. I wouldn't call him fat at that point, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the regular, uh, the regularly built guy. He wasn't the, the typical athlete that you would see. So he was always a trip for me. But of course, I was always rooting for the Bulls because that was the hometown squad. But that was just one of the one of the the. the Many aspects that I found interesting was how many times Mike said he made it a mission to go out there and, and prove a Jerry favorite to be inadequate. Tony Kukoc, Dan Marley, um, when he traded Robert Parrish, I'm sorry, Charles Oakley for uh, Bill Cartwright. There's a story about Ramon Shelburne talking about how petty Mike is, actually. <laughs> and when he did it, Mike would throw or would call Bill Cartwright uh, medical bill because of his injury problems and when they and he would throw him hard passes to prove that he didn't have good hands things like that like that's the kind of stuff that you expect right but to hear those kind of detailed stories i think adds to the lore and and kind of fuels the fire now before it all began like said that he was kind of worried about people's perception of him when all this came out and the director actually is quoted as saying um, he can't believe Mike approved the next two episodes. So who knows what's about to come out? I'm imagining it's got to do something with his father. That's one of the things that I've been kind of looking forward to seeing how they handle that issue. Um, but you, you kind of get the feeling that uh, it's it's just cool. It, it, it there's there's a lot of people who are taking this moment to kind of tear things apart, but I think they're kind of they went into it with that anyway. And we'll talk about that in, in another episode. But more or less, I wanted to get into. That the first episode and the second episode, which was the real meat, the juicy part of everything, when they talked about uh, Mike's gambling uh, situation, we'll call it. He doesn't want to call it addiction. And if you saw the clips of him with the sunglasses giving a mile shot, who is, by the way, the goat 
um <laughs> in the in the poorly lit room with the sunglasses on and Ahmad says, Do you have a gambling problem? And Mike hits him with the cheap mouth <laughs> and, then, and says, you know, no, no. And I swear, it's it's <laughs> it is the least convincing Michael Jordan clip I've ever seen in my life. Like <laughs> that's 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 a booking interview, okay? <laughs> that's oh, Oh man, this it was hilarious. It had me dying. Only other thing that had me dying, uh, more than that, I think was Mike playing quarters with the security guard. That was great. That was great too. That man's an instant superstar. Shrugger security guard. And I, I can't decide which one I want to put as the cover for this episode. And if, so when you see it, if I put up either one, just know it was a hard decision. If I didn't put up either one, know that I just couldn't pick one or the other and I didn't want to uh Jam the two things together because it's it's too great, <laughs> too great. Mike, I'm telling you, Mike looking like he, uh, and I tweeted it out. Nobody's ever made the face that Mike made when Rashad asked him that question and then told the truth. Never, not in the history of mankind ever. Nobody. <laughs> and then Buddy hitting him with the shoulder shrug, and somebody else put it on uh, out of social media that you got to be a cold blooded killer to go ahead and hit Mike with his own move after busting him in some quarters. And again. Just to highlight how bad it was, uh, they they Mike was playing the or playing the security guard quarters for dollars and stuff. That's how much we wanted to gamble. Now, other things that I took away from it, Mike was in control of tickets. That was incredible. Randy Brown had to come in there and get some tickets from him, and uh, <laughs> Mike gave a couple and said, uh, "Do you mind where they could sit?" And Randy Brown tells him, "You know, they could be sitting close to Guy for all I care." He said, "They could sit where?" Randy says it again. Mike says, "Well, you just got tickets from God." Now, <laughs> Mike, the next move hat here is my favorite because I swear this, what Mike said next is in the black man lexicon from here until the end of time. And Mike hit him with the long she. <laughs> Hands down, that was my favorite moment. It was a, a brief nothing. Nobody tweeted about it at all, but that just had me absolutely floored because all i could hear was my pops <laughs> that's it she that i'm telling you that's a generational thing i'm pretty sure that we are programmed with it at birth but it doesn't come out until we're about 18 19 maybe even in our 20s when we get a little bit of upset in our lives you got to get a little angry a little salty at life before you can hit it real good with the right amount of e she <laughs> oh man that was great it was a great moment but more or less the the uh the ultimate takeaway from this is that it's just been Really good to relive all of the moments from uh, both championship runs and then find out some of the, again, put some footage and some clarity to some of the things that were going on, such as Mike's stance on uh, getting active in politics. And that's opened up a lot, of, a big can of worms for a lot of people because you juxtapose that with his gambling and the spiffy clean image that he was built up to be prior to those things coming out. And the scrutiny that current day superstars undergo undergo. And I think it's funny because people, again, like I said, people don't put themselves in the proper context. Like, yeah, you could say that Mike didn't have anybody tweeting about him all the time, but they literally dropped a book about his gambling addiction in the middle of his playing career. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not sure how much more I'm talking about like an exposing tell all type stuff. Right. So there's scandal there. And, and I often say that, uh, First of all, stop looking to athletes to be the, the spokesperson for the black community, first and foremost. But on top of that, and more importantly, uh, if an athlete or anybody, for that matter, who is not in, in said career field or in, in the career path of activism, if that's not what they do, 
their activism should be looked at as a as a much wanted and appreciated bonus. If they don't do it, I feel like shaming them for it. And then furthermore, some uh, some this is getting a little bit personal, but some uh, some other people are using that to detract from basketball accomplishments, which is what the GOAT discussion should always be about. Purely basketball. I don't understand why people try to spill it off in the off-court things. Well, I understand why, but it's not right. It's not right. It's wrong. <laughs> um, but you... you if, if if they do those things, great. Appreciate those things, but don't expect it. That's all. That's that's as much as I can say about it because anything else is being disingenuous. Uh, that that's just the way I feel about it. anybody, any and every single one, every single time. Whenever they do something, that's great. That's wonderful. If you choose not to, so so freaking. I don't I don't care. I really don't care. And that's not to say that you shouldn't or you should actually. It's just a matter of I didn't tune in for that. So like I said, if it happens, oh that's cool. It's pretty dope. If you don't, I don't that's not what i what i care about and again that's not what i'm using to determine who's the best at any given sport period point blank that's just the end all be all of it um can't wait to see what happens in the next episodes though that's what that's the if the director can't believe uh what's going to be that mike approved him i can't wait to hear what's going on about it a little tidbit that came out was that mike had to cut back or, or remove the alcohol from his interviews because his mom saw it and got a little upset with him. So moms is watching and still getting mad about things. And that's pretty cool. So, um, other NBA news, John wall. Remember him point guard from the Washington wizards is anxious to return. Said that he's on schedule too. And of course, with everything shut down right now, looks like he can come back. Uh, he might be able to even sneak in before if they, if they found some way to finish out this year, which I doubt they're going to do, but next year he should be able to come back. And the big question I have is he's going to be 30, right? But before that, in 2016, 2017, he was 23 and 10. Nobody in the NBA this year averaged 23 and 10. Uh, well, I'm, I take that back. LeBron averaged 23 and 10. One person did 25 and 10 for LeBron. Insane. Uh, but over the past two seasons, which was 73 games because he was having all those injury problems, which is again 73 games. Uh, 25 and uh, 23. Uh, if I can get this right, over the last 73 games, he was 20 and nine. And only two people this past season had those numbers, and that again was Bron and Trey Young with twenty nine and nine incredible numbers as well. So my question really is, and what I'm, I'm kind of stuck on is, can Wall come back and be somewhere in between his past two years, where he's giving you twenty and nine, and and that sixteen seventeen, and really you want him to get to that sixteen seventeen and keep it there at that twenty three and ten? I think that's attainable if he can bring up his shooting numbers. He was shooting right around his career averages. So it wasn't like he was doing anything uh, spectacular. He's about 43 from the floor, 32 from three point, something around the, along that, those lines. If he can get three point shots to be a little bit more consistent, it's possible that he can be 22. And I'm not, I'm not sure he can keep up the 10 anymore. I mean, uh, most of that's because he's going to have to defer a lot, not defer, but he's going to have more help in Bradley Beal. So Brad's going to have the ball a lot more than I think, uh, he has in, in years past. So that's one to keep an eye on the move. I don't know if there's any way they can possibly move. That contract is ridiculous. So nobody's trading for John Wall coming off of an Aquila's injury and a lockdown season. Like there's, it, it, there's every reason not to trade for him. So that's one first and foremost. Second of all, though, I am interested to see what happened between he, he and Brad Beal. He came out, Wall did speaking about how their relationship is actually really good. You know, there's a lot of talk of friction because of how, the Wizards were losing and people calling John Wall a ball hog and this, that, and the third. 
Wall said when he got hurt, Bill came was the first one to come and see him, would spend time with him when uh, everybody else was out of town. He would come out to drive down to come and see him, which is a great story, and I'm, I'm sure he did. Doesn't mean much for them playing together. People can be friends and still not want to work together that's just a fact of life and this is no different especially when you saw the talks of brad beal being traded so while if it's it's probably in the wizard's best bet to keep to try to keep everybody as much as they can i'm not sure what they're going to get out of but they can get wall again somewhere between that that 23 and 10 and 20 and 9 so 20 man 22 21 22 and 9 even if he goes down to eight that's still really good with what you're getting from brad beal who gave you 30 points this year like good stuff right a lot a lot of good numbers going around it's kind of interesting though because you do wonder um they were not really overcoming the hump as it was right so to run it back for the sake of running it back because you can't really do much else does that really make sense so do they still move brad beal even if wall comes back so lots to watch out for the washington wizards uh this upcoming or the rest of the season, whatever happens, whenever we come back <laughs> and start playing NBA games again. Close out the NBA portion with a little tidbit on Tom Thibodeau. Former Bulls coach is is said to be in hot demand from the Brooklyn Nets, New York Nets, and the Houston Rockets. Now, two of those teams make sense. The third one is not one of these things. It's not like the other. Okay, sorry. Had to do it. Got kids. That's how it goes. Um, Brooklyn makes sense because, you know, it's the Nets that got Katie and Kyrie. They said they want a superstar familiar coach. And Thibs is, I don't know if I'd call him a superstar familiar coach, but he's definitely a guy who is familiar with big personalities. Now, I'm not sure that you got two injury-prone guys in Kyrie and Katie if you want to give them top, Tom Thibodeau. So, no. Um, The Knicks, they don't even know what they want to be. I can see him going there just because that would be, you know, he's a good coach. And they don't know what they're going to be. So he, there's not really a roster style or, or set uh, situation going on. There's nobody that they, I think they're really enamored with. Mitchell Robinson's a really good player, but are they enamored with him? I doubt it. Kevin uh, Kevin Knox, not really. Uh, R.J. Barrett, obviously. But where do they see him? Where would Tom Thibodeau see him? And again, do you want to run him into the ground? Because Dibs is gonna is gonna play these guys 48, 40 plus minutes. That's just, that's that's just how he does. Um, everywhere he's, I mean, that's just what it is. So I'm not sure that's a good fit there. And then the surprise is Houston. Why is that a surprise? Well, because they still have Mike D'Antoni as their head coach. And while it does seem odd on the surface, the report is that uh, this is a contingency plan. There, what they plan on doing, and if talks with D'Antoni break down. Now we had talked about this a few weeks back. When the whole mess was going on with Darren Morey in China and all that stuff, which is still going on, um, but about D'Antoni could be on the house because he's really not that great. Okay, he's 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 um, a very good scheme. He's the offensive version of Thibodeau, honestly, where he can do one thing really well, but he doesn't balance out the the rest of his his uh, team that great. So it shows. Well. He could be on the outs, and I know they're talking about working with an extension, but if they're talking about getting that rebuild like they were rumored to be seeking with Tillman Fertitta and all the attempts they were making to get underneath the salary cap or the inquisitions they were making about it, inquiries, inquisitions, inquiries about uh, ways that they can get under, look out for uh, Tom Thibodeau to the Rockets. And if not, maybe they bring him in to coach Russ. That'd be cool. I don't know what I'm wondering about him and, and James, but him and Russ would get along great. That'd be cool. <laughs> um yeah, I don't know how that's all going to work out, but just just the, the few teams that were rumored to be looking at 
former Bulls coach Tom Thibodeau. So I'm going to take a quick break when I come back on the switch gears and talk about the NFL, uh, mostly how they're going to be staying very home. It's going to be a lot of home games, quote unquote, this season. And a player who thought that he was doing all the right, saying all the right things is proving that uh, sometimes it's just not that simple. Back in the Back now on Triple Zero, switching gears to the NFL, and the NFL announced that they will not be playing any international games this year. Obviously, with uh, COVID nineteen threatening honestly to put the se- push the season back, although right now it is scheduled to start on time, uh, traveling overseas is just not a very feasible idea. They've already uh, they've already that that was kind of a telegraph decision. I don't know how many people didn't think that that was going to happen. I don't I didn't see them doing it. Um, some one player I saw that was upset about it. Uh, not not many players really want to go, so that was a surprise to even see one player be upset. But uh, yeah, it was kind of a shock to see them announce it now. But the schedule is going to be coming out next week. So they had they had to say something, so I'm not. I guess it's not a total shock. It is a little disheartening because it's nice those those uh, one off Sunday mornings where you got to wake up at like eight o'clock in the morning to go to get up to watch the game. I mean, it's a little cool, you know. I'm not gonna front. Uh, I, I do it every single time, <laughs> so I enjoy it. But that that's yeah, that's definitely something that's. That's not the best of signs, is it? Can't be. Um, another interesting little tidbit NFL before we get to our big NFL story <clears throat> is Cam Newton still a free agent uh, quarterback, from, former quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. Cam Newton obviously still floating around in free agency. A lot of the teams that he was rumored to be linked. I think the other thing that you have to look at is uh, he could have gone to – Pittsburgh, they still need a backup, and Ben Roethlisberger is coming off a uh, elbow injury, and while that's true, there's another roadblock that I'm going to have to get to in a moment. I kind of jumped the gun there. I should have pushed that out for a second, but maybe I'll, I'll just use this as my, my nice little uh, teaser setup for how I'll close this. The, another team, though, and one that could still do something would be New England, and now Asante Samuel tweeted out that he's not a Bill Belichick kind of guy, and that may be true, but I don't think I'll, anybody would have said that Randy Moss was a Bill Belichick kind of guy. And, then, and maybe it's because Bill Belich- or Randy Moss was troubled more than injured. So this is a physical breakdown kind of thing. That's, that's kind of the issue here. Um, Of course, from the quarterback position, it's a different kind of criteria because of the expectations from that guy to be consistent as always, or always be consistent as possible. Um, I'm not sure you're going to get that from Cam. No matter, even on his best, he's not the most consistent of uh, of a quarterback. So, I, I at this point, Cam's better off waiting for an injury. Um, I'm not sure what his stance is on him wanting to take it back. I see a lot of people tweeting out of Dalton would have been more willing. It might be that way. Andy Dalton did sign with the Dallas Cowboys to be the backup to Dak Prescott on a what seems to be a t- pretty team friendly deal. But I just don't know exactly uh, where Cam is mentally. Even maybe he's not necessarily ready to come. Uh, well, he no, he said he was ready. He said he got turned, he got cut loose from the Panthers, and they they betrayed him. They didn't believe him. Blah blah blah. I tweeted all that stuff, and probably not the best move when you're going to be seeking work. But you know, whatever. Uh, but it, this again, Cam's one of my Cam. My two favorite players in in the NBA and the NFL are uh, Russell Westbrook and Cam Newton. The two weirdest uh, dressed dudes in in both sports, but the two freak freaks of nature, um, in their own right. 
can be in freeze is a little bit personal, but I also understand that, uh, or, or I don't want to say understand, but I also don't think that it's going to last for long. I think that if he were to, uh, if he wanted to go get a job, he could definitely find one right now. I think he's waiting for a better, the best opportunity for him when he's healthiest. And maybe he is waiting for a chance to go out there and start. At the, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't fault him. I just don't know. I just don't know that. So I can't, I'm not comfortable saying that he's waiting for that and, and not willing to take a backup job at this point. So there's that. Now, I mentioned it. I teased a little bit, but I got I got to close out with Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster reportedly will not be signed back. The Athletics' Ed Bouchette says that uh, he and running back James Conner could both be let walk, let to walk, allowed to walk after this season um, with Pittsburgh eyeing a full-on rebuild. Again, Roethlisberger is 37 years old and coming off that long injury and has, has uh, flirted with retirement in the past. Now, go over some of the numbers with, with Juju here. Rookie season, 58 catches, 917 yards, seven touchdowns. Uh, his sophomore year, 111 catches, 1,400 yards, 20, 1,426 yards, seven touchdowns. Last year, though, 42 catches, 552 yards, three touchdowns. Now, obviously, last year he didn't have Ben. Uh, he had a bunch of other random young guys, including some dude named Duck. And while all that was happening, apparently his value was plummeting with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, the thing that's interesting to me about this is uh, Juju is 23 right now. He's very young. He was the youngest guy in his draft class. If you're a team that's eyeing a rebuild, you want cornerstone players. I'm not sure how a young player like Juju, who has shown he could be dynamic, uh, isn't necessarily a guy you want to try to lock up. Now, he had a down year, so you're not going to have to pay him premium money, I wouldn't imagine. Unless they feel like they can get more back in return for him than it would be worth to keep him while they try to develop or that he's going to add too many wins to it. I'm not sure. One thing of note about him, though, is that he did double his uh, drop rate over the past couple of years. From 2018 to 2019, it went from 3.6 to 7.1. So that's something else that they could take to the table and say, look, man, uh, we want to keep you in Pittsburgh, but we, we can't pay you top dollar. Uh, you had the down year. Now, despite having the backup quarterbacks, you didn't necessarily blah, blah, blah. Like, Teams have been doing it for decades, so to to come out with it's a weird non Pittsburgh Steeler type move to come out with this so early, but we'll see how it all plays out uh, as far as that. Now the other interesting part about this and what really drew me to the story about them saying that Juju might not come back is the whole Antonio Brown saga and what made it the the story that it was was. On the way, uh, on AB's way out the door, he was spraying the room, right? He kind of took shots at everybody, including Juju, and took a, a, a fence, took a kind of bristled at a, a picture that Juju had posted. I believe it was on Instagram of him catching the pass from Ben and saying that he's lucky to catch a, catch passes from a, a quarterback like that and this, that, and the third. And it's funny that this is where the situation is now. <laughs> right i know ab had to hear him like oh really like he had he had to have uh had probably hit him with the the the, the classic you know just mm, face because that's full circle that's 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 watch how fast it can come to you now granted this is all rumors nothing substantiated whatsoever early in the offseason this could be part of the negotiating tape negotiating tactics to drive his price down a little bit you know he wants to stay young guy loves the atmosphere blah 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 it's still funny. <laughs> it's still funny as hell because, oh boy, watch how watch how much you you know just 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 it's still a business. So 
So be a lesson to all the young guys before you go out there praising the organization in these in these professional sports leagues. Remember, the moment that you become more valuable to them as as well, you're always a commodity. But the more you the the moment you become more valuable as a trade piece or a bargaining chip than you are as an actual asset on the field, gone, son. There's very rarely an opportunity for redemption uh, to, 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 to change that opinion. So uh, I like Juju. I am a fan of Juju Smith-Schuster, but that was funny. I found it absolutely hilarious because, again, it was a lot of, of you know, hey, subtle, subtle back and forth. It seemed like subtle stuff. Now, it could have been nothing. And everybody came, you know, was praising Juju for taking the high road. I kind of feel like he was taking digs. Like, not not necessarily overt and not necessarily um, uh, inappropriate. Kind of, you know, AB was coming at him. Juju was 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 giving him some subtle clapbacks. So don't act like he was completely innocent in this. So that was my take on that. Again, we'll see what happens unsubstantiated yet. But if he does get moved, that brings us to our next little topic here. Where does he go? So... One of the ones that's been banded about a lot is the Green Bay Packers, but I just don't see them making a major move for another wide receiver. That could be the Bears fan of me talking, but um, I don't see them swinging a deal like that for that. Now, they did draft a quarterback with their first pick and then took a running back, so who knows? They could, they're they out there doing anything right about now. They uh, Gutekunst and, and LaFleur are just are flying by the seat of their pants. Um, but other places that I was looking at, that could could possibly use some uh, infusions for Sam Darnold. He needs a weapon. That would that if I'm if I'm the Jets, I would look into that. They made some a smart move. Some I had a good draft, right? We'll we'll say that for them. They had a good draft. That would be a solid trade. Um, the Giants, that would be a good move. I, there's not many. There's really not many. Maybe Philly keeps him in Pennsylvania. I, I I just don't know exactly where. I have to look into that a little bit more. Um, uh, look deep down into the numbers of where I could see Juju exactly fitting. Because again, it's not necessarily just the teams that need him, but who's also going to give up something for a guy who clearly played better when he had somebody playing opposite of him, right? I it, you can say it was a down year with the back of quarterbacks, but he also didn't have AB. So like. Some of that has to have been a, a factor as well. Uh, I, I mean, he'll get he'll he'll fetch something back, but I just don't think it'll be exactly what they think it would be as in terms of. Uh, I don't think it'd be anything substantial, right? I think it'd be a mid round at best. I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. It's hard to value it now, um, not knowing exactly where I think he would go. I mean, uh, again. I find it hard to find because I've always thought that he was a complimentary receiver. And I actually said when he and AB did that commercial where he where AB showed him the dance that uh, it was going to be a problem. <laughs> but I think Juju was a complimentary receiver. So, and I think other teams might think that as well. He might just end up hitting the free agency market, which is wild to think about with how how bright his star was when he burst onto the scene to how quickly it could turn around and be the where it is now. So that's just one thing to keep an eye on and something that we're going to have to monitor going forward. Um, that's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to check out the stuff, man. PippinAin'teEasy.com just wrote out about how the Bulls roster does not have to be uh, a hindrance to the good vibes that they have with all the good news. Everybody could be down because the Bulls will still have the same players next year. Yeah, more than likely, most of those guys are going to be back next year, but it's okay. Um, read out, read why it's okay. Uh, PippinAin'teEasy.com. 
And last word on pro football, I just talked about the uh, the Chicago Bears and what their plan is, and I'm going to be writing out about you know what they what they can do now and the expectations from going forward. So so be sure to be on the lookout for that one. Also check out Clapper Sports for all of the latest uh, pieces from all the art, all the authors there. Man, I am having hard time closing this bad boy i don't want to leave um <laughs> but check me out on twitter as well as always joshie but the facebook page clocker sports hit up the website clockersports.com and the email address is clockersports at gmail.com uh, until the very next time for-